0: So let's jump into uh, let's jump into Jude. Today we're going to be looking at verses two, three, and four in the book of Jude. Jude is that little book that's probably a page in your Bible, right next to the book of Revelation. And so um, I did have several people come to me, um, you know, during the week and say, "Hey, you know what? I don't think I've ever read Jude. I didn't even realize Jude was in the Bible. I thought maybe it was in the Old Testament." And so we are going to jump into this. So please stand as we read this together. our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today to fall more in love with you, more in love with your word, more in love with your purposes, and to pursue you accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So what we have here in this in this few verses is the second half of Jude's greeting and welcome. That's the may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. And, and he's speaking these into existence for their church. This is a prayer. This is an impartation. This is a promise. This is a lot of things. It's not just like howdy neighbor. It's not just hello. It's not just a a, a casual greeting for the sake of, of being formal. But this is a salutation that's impactful and meaningful. And he's trying to impart something to them to frame the rest of the conversation that he's about to start with them. And so he cries out specifically for uh, for mercy, peace, and love. What's interesting is a lot of the other epistles, a lot of the other letters include the word grace. So he writes with grace, grace and peace. Remember 2 Peter verse 1 a few weeks ago that we were looking at it says grace and peace. In this case, he doesn't say the word grace, but mercy is it comes from grace. And so instead of saying broad grace for the purposes of God to be accomplished in you, he's like, I'm believing specifically for mercy. Right? You know, sometimes when you, when you greet someone or you're praying for someone, you can give kind of a generic, broader thing and just like blessings to you. As opposed to, man, I'm believing God for resources to come. Right, and so sometimes when you when you've got insight into what somebody needs, you're able to be a little bit more specific. And and, and Jude is saying, I I, I know a little something. I know what's going on there, and I know the things that you're going to need in order to do it. And so he calls out to God specifically for mercy because he knew that. Um, that they were going to need God's mercy if they were going to stand up against the kind of the weirdness that had crept into their congregation. The weirdness that had entered the church. And so he's like, you're going to need the mercy of God. You're going to need to be able to receive the mercy where you've strayed. And you're going to be able to, you need to give mercy where mercy needs to be given. Yeah. And he cries out also for um, for peace. Because there was going to be division. There was going to be a fight. There was going to be a rumble. And, and they were being told they needed to call out certain false doctrines and things needed to get split. And anytime you start calling out false doctrine, people are going to encamp themselves. Yeah. In this case, we saw in verse 4 what's going on. People were talking about the grace of God. They're like, God's going to forgive you. You can do anything you want. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had that thought? Uh, just me, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be okay his mercy is enduring forever I'm like nice because I misunderstood it but they were going to need peace they were going to need the peace of God to, the peace of God to guard their hearts and minds because there was going to be tension and there was going to be difficulty and he says you're going to need love you're going to need love because mo- love is the most enduring of all of these things. Uh, when Peter talked to the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts, he's like, "Hey, all the spiritual gifts are great, but they don't mean much if you don't have love. The value of these gifts is gone if you don't love. Love is the most enduring of all things. Love will outlast it will out it, it outpaces and it will outlast even faith and hope. you know hope is such a powerful motivator, isn't it? It, it 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 stirs our hearts to be able to stay in pursuit of something that's otherwise ambiguous, the hope of of attaining this thing that we're longing for. Faith, even even believing with certainty and trusting the thing that's been handed to us, trusting it and believing it and standing on it, without even without ever having it fully. Right, These, Those are valuable gifts that God gives us, faith and hope. But there's going to be a day where those don't exist anymore. Because our faith and our hope is going to be realized when we see Jesus face to face. And that's going to be a beautiful moment. We're not, not going to need faith anymore because the object of our faith is realized. We won't need hope because the object of our hope is realized. But love will continue. Yes. Because God is love. That's right. And so he's like, and you're going to need love. And you're going to need all of these things to multiply. If you're going to relate to one another well. If you're going to stand together well. If you're going to fight together well. If you're going to last through this trial. If you're going to survive through this through this difficulty. You need these things in a multiplying fashion. May God do it in your life. I pray these kinds of things for our congregation. God let faith arise. Let your mercy be shown. That's what I was praying all week on an election week. God let mercy be shown. Let your mercy be known by us. Let it be multiplied to us. Let your love overwhelm us to the point that we're able to demonstrate your love to the community. And now he gets into the business. He says, I wanted to write to you to just celebrate how incredible our salvation is. He's like, you know, people argue about what the intent of the letter was, but this is how I imagine it to be. He's like, man, I'm going to write to the church. I'm going to send them a letter. just want to encourage the brothers and sisters. I want to let them know how incredible it is. We've got Jews and Gentiles worshiping. We're doing all right. This is really good. Things are, things are moving forward. Like, this is, this is awesome. Jesus is being worshiped. People are getting baptized. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. This is good stuff. And he sat down to write it and, and, and he's praying and he's, God, how can I encourage him? And God's like, uh, well, you see Jude, what had happened was, yeah, I need you to write a different kind of letter. I know you want to encourage them, but, but we, we got to do some house cleaning. We got to do some pruning. Have you ever wanted to do, you just wanted to encourage someone, you just walked in, you're like, I just, I just, I just wish I had good news. (laughs) Like maybe somebody has been having a tough week and you know, they've been having a tough week and you kind of know the. You know, it happens in, in with Megan and I. You know, like, I know how things are, and, you know, this week the kids were sick, and this was going on, and this was going on, and and then, you know, <laughs> there was more difficulty, and it was kind of like, I don't want to tell her. <laughs> I really, all I want to do is go in and give her good news. Like, hey, baby, no big deal. Everything's good. It all worked. Everything's perfect. <laughs> but you go in, and you're like, uh, actually, so, hey, Yeah, so they said it all needs to go. It all needs to be repaired. (laughs) But this is what he was wrestling with, what what Jude was wrestling with. and, and, um, And he's like, we have this common salvation, and it's beautiful. Family, we share a common salvation. And it's an amazing thing, the drawing of God, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing to me that God pursues us like he does, as as different as we are, as, as stubborn as we are, as entrenched as we can be. He pursues us, each of us, not on the basis of our goodness, but on the basis of his goodness, not on the basis of our love for him, but on the basis of his love for us. said, but I felt the necessity to write you appealing that you contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. You need to contend earnestly for the faith. Family, the battle for sound theology is real. Not only do you have to resist the temptations from the world to change and modify Scripture, to change and modify our belief to change and modify the foundations of the faith. But we need to resist even the internal temptations to change it to our own benefit, yeah. to build it around our weaknesses. Instead of bringing our weaknesses to the word, we, in, in, in bringing the word to our weaknesses, we try and mold them around each other so that, so that we can defend our weaknesses. Well, no, 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 it's okay. Because he forgives No, 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 it's okay because love wins. No, 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 those are, his mercy and his love should be motivators to to walk more holy and more pure, to walk closer to him. We need to contend earnestly for the faith. Now you do have a theology. Theology is just the study of God. It's knowing God. And you've got some level of theology. Some of, some people have more advanced theology, but advanced doesn't even mean accurate. And a lot of what's swirling right now in the world is advanced theology. Mm -hmm. But it's not accurate. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's like these, it's these, uh, false, it's like these storefronts where you kind of move, people are moving things around and trying to make it work and changing the meaning of words and saying, well, if you twist this word this way and this word this way and this word this way, then you kind of end up with it being okay to live with your boyfriend. And if you twist it this way and you twist it this way and you twist it this way, you can actually steal. You cannot pay your taxes you got to twist real hard for that because Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. So you got to, you got to really work for that one. <laughs> but you want to twist it and twist it and twist it and twist it and make it work so that your position is okay. So that the word of God lines up with you instead of you lining up with the word of God. And that's a difficult thing. And so, you know, one of the things that um, is embarrassing to me is the amount of time that I've given to studying other things. You know, it's like, oh, I really want to figure this out. You know, we got the internet, and we could learn a lot about a lot of things. You know, we got to be careful with the internet. And if you want to do some Bible study, you could ask, hey, where can I do some good Bible study? We can give you resources for that so that, so that you're not just having to make it up and sift through some of the bogus stuff that's out there. Because some of the, some of the stuff that's the, is, that looks the best is the most bogus. So is some of the stuff that looks the worst so you can't base it on there's like no eye test for this i regret the the ridiculous things that i've pursued and that i've tried to learn about when i could know so much more about god and his purposes i could learn so much more about his love i was i was telling someone this morning i said we're just going to gloss over the introduction you know mercy um mercy love and what was the third one peace, peace. Um, mercy, love, and peace. We're just going to gloss over it. But you, love is is a lifetime endeavor to understand and to know. But instead, I spent time researching all sorts of other things this week that don't matter as much. That's not why we're glossing over. We're glossing over it because we're, we're moving on. We're, we're, the emphasis we're focusing on is different. But we could spend our lifetime studying love and never plumb the depths of it. We need to contend earnestly for the faith. We need to, we need to be careful about our theology. We need to be, we need to sure up our theology. We need to be students of God. Mm-hmm. Family, the, the call to a, being a believer of being a disciple isn't just to believe in Jesus and be saved, but it's to be a disciple. It's to take on the values and the lifestyles and the priorities of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's to look at Him and to, and to say, wow, that's what His values are. That's what my values are starting now. Right, it's saying if that's important to him, it's important to me. If that's valuable to him, it's valuable to me. If that's what he gave his life for, that's what I'm giving my life for. If that's what he died for, that's what I died for. And we've got to study to know what those things are. We need to get into the Bible and, and figure out what it is. It is a, it is a remarkable text. The Bible is absolutely fascinating. And if you're like, it's not fascinating, it's frustrating. <laughs> I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. Then come tell me. Just be like, hey, look, I hear you say it's fascinating. I, I hear you saying that it's it's marvelous and that you can learn about God and everything else. You go, I, I just get a headache when I read it. Come and tell me. Let's talk about it. There's no greater topic of conversation than, than like how to get into this thing. It's a great meal. You ever seen somebody um, taste wine or coffee and they're like, mm, it's got flavors <laughs> that's how well i thought through that example <laughs> you know and then you you sip it or you taste it and you're like nope taste i yep taste one thing tastes like coffee tastes like wine yep tastes like a beer Talking about hops and whatever <laughs> are you offended by the alcohol we're okay all right Right, The Word of God is very much that way. You, you, we can read it and be like, Oh, it's the Bible! But then when you begin to understand what, what you're consuming, when you begin to understand what we're reading, it's like, whoa. There's love all over this thing. Wow, Jesus is throughout the whole thing. You know, Jesus doesn't just show up for the first time when Mary gave birth to Him. Right? Jesus is all throughout Scripture. His power and His is Love are being made known all throughout it. And the promise of him becoming incarnate is being made throughout all of it. And then we see him. And then there's a promise he's going to come back and it's beautiful and it's glorious. I don't want you to miss it. But people can make the Bible do and say a lot of things to defend our positions. 1 Timothy 6, Paul's warning Timothy about the same thing. He says, hey, if anyone teaches otherwise does not agree with to this sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching. They're conceited and understand nothing. They have an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy and strife and malicious talk, evil suspicion and constant friction between people of corrupt mind who have been robbed of the truth and think that godliness is a means to financial gain. So, you know, Paul's speaking to a different thing. He's like, you know people using godliness for financial gain, you know, what Jude is contending against is people who are saying, grace is a means to do whatever we want to do. But the problem pops up all over the place. We have to be students of the word. We need to be students of the love and the mercy and the peace of God so that when the false thing shows up, we can recognize it. It's oft reported, but I don't know if it's true or not, that uh, treasury treasury department people that that look for fraud and and money. They don't study the false things. They study the real thing. So they're so familiar with the real hundred dollar bill that when they see a fake, it's easy. They don't study all the fakes. It would be, it would take too long to study all the fakes. It's not worth studying the fakes from the pulpit. We need to study the true thing so that when the false thing shows up, it's easy to discern. It's easy to find. It's easy to tell. And theology has a profound impact on our life's behavior. The things that we be, be, believe shape how we're going to behave. And so it has a profound effect on how we live our life. And that's, that's why it's important because our theology isn't something that's just supposed to stay up in our, in our head as information. But it's supposed to turn into knowledge Right? Information is everywhere. We need, we need to not know that just information is out there. We need to internalize it, make it knowledge, know it, m- like, uh, chew on it, wrestle on it, reflect on it, meditate on it, and put it into action. It's not knowing for the sake of knowing. And what's amazing about the Word of God is, is it doesn't just give us a whole bunch of lists and tasks and responsibilities. But as we internalize the information and make it knowledge and it expresses itself through our lives, it actually it changes us. It doesn't just give us things to do. It transforms us. I'll tell you, the, the things that I desire are different than the things that I used to desire. And not because I've just been able to assert my will against itself. But because God's changed my desire, He's changed my appetite. And the more time that I spend here, the more my appetite reflects the things of God. Yeah. The more time I spend watching ESPN, the more my appetite changes towards other things. The more time, I, I was meeting with somebody one time, and he was saying, he's like, I'm angry, I'm, I just wanna be violent, I, and he's like, and I just, I, I, fighting with my wife and I just, I want to look things, I want to look at things on the internet. And I was like, well, let's talk about your diet. What you eating? Yeah. So what are you binge watching right now? Yeah. He's like, game of thrones. <laughs> and then the next words out of his mouth are problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? He was, he was like eating one thing and expecting different results. Yeah. That was like me. I mean, I was eating nachos. I was expecting to look like Cliff Russell. And I was eating (laughs) Cliff's a a trainer. He's part of Grace Covenant Church, but he's he's jacked and he's ripped. The gym is called ripped. And, um, you know, I expected to look like him, but but I was eating the wrong things and I was expecting different results. But I was getting the results that my diet dictated. need action and we need to understand that that this is something that was handed down to us once and for all the advancement of the church isn't about looking forward and trying to innovate and make new and, and be new for everyone else um, the, the way forward is by looking back not back to like the 90s yeah. <laughs> just to clarify not these nine, not not 1990 anyway but maybe 90, right? Looking at when the church was just being birthed and looking what they believed and how they believed and what they prioritized, what was important to them, looking at that, looking in the word and being like, what is important here? What is valuable here? Uh, What, what, what is significant here? And that's what I'm going to give my life to. That's the way forward. Family, you know, even I, I talked about elections and, and I wasn't trying to create strife or insecurity or uncertainty. I do believe that that it is important to God. I don't, I don't want to undermine that or make it less important than it is. But we do need to recognize that, that we don't want to just say that, you know, you can't say that it's the Republican way. You can't say that it's the Democratic way. You can't say it's the Libertarian way or the Independent way. Because when I look at all the tickets, I see I see things that are valuable to God. I do think some of the things are more valuable than others, but that's a weird place to be, isn't it? Yeah. I believe that firmly. Mm-hmm. I can't be moved on those things because they're values that I see in Scripture. Yeah. So instead of trying to talk you to my side or to my way, yeah, what I want to do is I want to help people see what's valuable to God. What's on God's heart. What's on God's mind. Because yes. what's on his heart and mind hasn't changed. Yeah. It says it's been handed to us. By these people who were marked beforehand for condemnation. Ungodly people who turned grace of God into and into an excuse to do whatever they want to do. And that's referring, Jesus warned the disciples in the book of Matthew. He's like, hey, I just got to warn you. Wolves are going to creep in. And they're going to come in and they're going to say things that it sounds good. It's going to sound godly. It's going to be really tempting to believe what they're saying, but it's false. They're leading you off a cliff. You've got to watch out for the teaching that tells you that you're, that, uh, that, you know, it's like this idea that, you know, God just accepts you the way you are. He receives us the way that we are. He draws us the way that we are for the purpose of transforming us, for the purpose of changing us and not into a better version of us or into what we think we should be, but into what he thinks we should be and who he thinks we should be. And that's what we're being invited to in this. So I want to just ref, just pass through real quickly and highlight the four primary parts to maintaining good theology. It's receiving it well. We need to receive well from God, from teachers. We need to receive well and, to, and by receiving well, I mean from good sources. You know, sometimes somebody will bring me something and, you know, somebody told me one time they were like, they were like, why aren't you more encouraging to me and small group? I was like, because I can't find much t- to support <laughs> because you keep defending your position and rarely the position of God. Wow. And they're like, but I'm getting it from here. And I'm like, yeah, that's garbage. <laughs> Don't listen to that person. And they'd come in and they quote this person. It's like, stop quoting that person. I'm going to correct you every time. It sounds like that person. Don't even change your name or say someone said like ambiguously. I heard somewhere. I'm, I'm going to recognize it. There's a flavor and a taste to, to what's being that's coming from there. And it's unhealthy and it's not good. Cut it out. You need to be able to receive well and to receive well. We need to receive from good places. We need to remember that song, "God will not be shaken." What a great reminder, right? We need to remember well. You know, when when things don't line up with what what with good theology, and we're like, "This just doesn't make sense." Maybe I should change my theology. Maybe I should change who God is, right? When it's challenged, right? And, I, and I'm not I mean, like when you're when you're looking at someone in, in something, and you're like, "Well, I like people who who make different decisions than me." Uh, let's pick something really benign, like murdering people. I mean, benign, like not, like something we can all agree is bad. <laughs> murdering people, not benign. Gosh, that was a terrible example. We can all agree that murdering's bad. Thank you. You know, but it's like, but but you love the person who committed the murder, and it's like. I love them, and they murdered someone none of us like so let's let's build an exception for that. This person hates that person, but I hate that person too, so I'll accept them, right That person's not forgiving, but what was done to them was so bad they I wouldn't forgive either so let's let's change our theology to be like no no, no you 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 can't murder if we like the person. You can't. You, you have to forgive unless unless the offense was really, really bad. And these things will qualify as really, really bad. You starting to see it? Yeah. And it gets so dangerous. And we, and we build these things. So we need to remember the good theology that was handed down to us. Jude's saying, "Hey, look, this thing was handed down to you, and it was good when you got it. <laughs> so go back to what you got, so that it can stay good." Then right. we have to live it. We need to live it. Keeping it in our head as just information is not not the life that God's called us to. And we need to share it. We need to share our good theology. As we know God, as we savor God, as we enjoy Him and His presence, we we need to share it. If it's important enough for you to give your life to, if it's important enough for you to, to, to give things up to pursue God in his presence. Could it be important enough for your friends too? We need to share it. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter six. It says, these words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You should teach them diligently to your sons and you should talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. These things that have been entrusted to you, family. This truth that has been entrusted to us as a family. We need to share it. Not just on Sunday morning, but as we go, as we stand, as we walk, as we sit down and eat, as we're at the water cooler, as as we go on our way, we're to share it. And invite people into a fulfilling, meaningful, life-changing, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. I I just echo the prayer in Jude that mercy, peace, and love would be multiplied to us. I thank you that it's your love that covers us and washes us clean. God I ask that you would stir our hearts for you that that we would become students of your word we would be that we would value the opportunity to study we would value the opportunity to pursue your presence and your goodness. God all of this is about the fact that you sent Jesus Christ to rescue us from the wages of sin. All of this is about how in Jesus Christ, you give us eternal life and you make us new creations. And out of that redemption, God, you sanctify us and you make us clean. You make us whole. So we freshly surrender ourselves to you today and ask that you would teach us and guide us, instruct us. Stir our hearts for you. In Jesus' name, amen.